Section 7 of Treaties on Light by Christian Huygens. Translated by Sylvanus P. Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Avaii in December 2012. Chapter 5. Part 1. On the Strange Refraction of Iceland Crystal. 1. There is brought from Iceland, which is an island in the North Sea in the latitude of 66 degrees, a kind of crystal or transparent stone, very remarkable for its figure and other qualities, but above all for its strange refractions. The causes of this have seemed to me to be worthy of being carefully investigated, the more so because amongst transparent bodies this one alone does not follow the ordinary rules with respect to rays of light. I have even been under some necessity to make this research, because the refractions of this crystal seemed to overturn our preceding explanation of regular refraction, which explanation, on the contrary, they strongly confirm, as will be seen after they have been brought under the same principle. In Iceland are found great lumps of this crystal, some of which I have seen of four or five pounds. But it occurs also in other countries, for I have had some of the same sort which had been found in France near the town of Troy in Champagne, and some others which came from the island of Corsica, though both were less clear and only in little bits, scarcely capable of letting any effect of refraction be observed. 2. The first knowledge which the public has had about it is due to Mr. Erasmus Bartolinus, who has given a description of Iceland crystal and of its chief phenomena. But here I shall not desist from giving my own, both for the instruction of those who may not have seen his book, and because as respects some of these phenomena there is a slight difference between his observations and those which I have made for I have applied myself with great exactitude to examine these properties of refraction, in order to be quite sure before undertaking to explain the causes of them. 3. As regards the hardness of this stone, and the property which it has of being easily split, it must be considered rather as a species of talc than of crystal for an iron spike effects an entrance into it as easily as into any other talc or alabaster, to which it is equal in gravity. 4. The pieces of it which are found have the figure of an oblique parallelopipede, each of the six faces being a parallelogram, and it admits of being split in three directions parallel to two of these opposed faces, even in such wise, if you will, that all the six faces are equal and similar rhombuses. The figure here added represents a piece of this crystal. The obtuse angles of all the parallelograms, as C, D, here, are angles of 101 degrees 52 minutes, and consequently the acute angles, such as A and B, are of 78 degrees 8 minutes. 5. Of the solid angles there are two opposite to one another, such as C and E, which are each composed of three equal obtuse plane angles. The other six are composed of two acute angles and one obtuse. All that I have just said has been likewise remarked by Mr. Bartholinus in the aforesaid treatise. 
if we differ it is only slightly about the values of the angles he recounts moreover some other properties of this crystal to wit that when rubbed against cloth it attracts straws and other light things as do amber diamond glass and spanish wax let a piece be covered with water for a day or more the surface loses its natural polish when aquafortis is poured on it it produces ebullition especially as i have found if the crystal has been pulverized i have also found by experiment that it may be heated to redness in the fire without being in any wise altered or rendered less transparent but a very violent fire calcines it nevertheless its transparency is scarcely less than that of water or of rock crystal and devoid of colour but rays of light pass through it in another fashion and produce those marvellous refractions the causes of which i am now going to try to explain reserving for the end of this treatise the statement of my conjectures touching the formation and extraordinary configuration of this crystal six in all other transparent bodies that we know there is but one sole and simple refraction but in this substance there are two different ones the effect is that objects seen through it especially such as are placed right against it appear double and that a ray of sunlight falling on one of its surfaces parts itself into two rays and traverses the crystal thus seven it is again a general law in all other transparent bodies that the ray which falls perpendicular on their surface passes straight on without suffering refraction and that an oblique ray is always reflected but in this crystal the perpendicular ray suffers refraction and there are oblique rays which pass through it quite straight eight but in order to explain these phenomena more particularly let there be in the first place a piece a b f e of the same crystal and let the obtuse angle ACB, one of the three which constitute the equilateral solid angle C, be divided into two equal parts by the straight line CG, and let it be conceived that the crystal is intersected by a plane which passes through this line and through the side CF, which plane will necessarily be perpendicular to the surface AB and its section in the crystal will form a parallelogram g c f h we will call this section the principal section of the crystal nine now if one covers the surface a b leaving there only a small aperture at the point k situated in the straight line c g and if one exposes it to the sun so that his rays face it perpendicularly above then the ray i k will divide itself at the point k into two one of which will continue to go on straight by k l and the other will separate itself along the straight line k m which is in the plane g c f h and which makes with k l an angle of about six degrees forty minutes tending from the side of the solid angle c and on emerging from the other side of the crystal it will turn again parallel to j k along m z 
and as in this extraordinary refraction the point m is seen by the refracted ray m k i which i consider as going to the eye at i it necessarily follows that the point l by virtue of the same refraction will be seen by the refracted ray l r i so that l r will be parallel to m k if the distance from the eye k i is supposed very great the point L appears then as being in the straight line IRS, but the same point appears also, by ordinary refraction, to be in the straight line IK. Hence it is necessarily judged to be double. And similarly, if L be a small hole in a sheet of paper or other substance which is laid against the crystal, it will appear when turned towards daylight as if there were two holes which will seem the wider apart from one another the greater the thickness of the crystal ten again if one turns the crystal in such wise that an incident ray n o of sunlight which i suppose to be in the plane continued from g c f h makes with g c an angle of seventy three degrees and twenty minutes and is consequently nearly parallel to the h c f which makes with f h an angle of seventy degrees fifty seven minutes according to the calculation which i shall put at the end it will divide itself at the point o into two rays one of which will continue along op in a straight line with no and will similarly pass out of the other side of the crystal without any refraction but the other will be refracted and will go along oq and it must be noted that it is special to the plane through gcf and to those which are parallel to it that all incident rays which are in one of these planes continue to be in it after they have entered the crystal and have become double for it is quite otherwise for rays in all other planes which intersect the crystal as we shall see afterwards eleven i recognized at first by these experiments and by some others that of the two refractions which the ray suffers in this crystal there is one which follows the ordinary rules and it is this to which the rays k l and o q belong this is why i have distinguished this ordinary refraction from the other and having measured it by exact observation i found that its proportion considered as to the signs of the angles which the incident and refracted rays make with the perpendicular was very precisely that of five two three as was found also by mr bartolinus and consequently much greater than that of rock crystal or of glass which is nearly three to two twelve the mode of making these observations exactly is as follows upon a leaf of paper fixed on a thoroughly flat table there is traced a black line a b and two others c e d and k m l which cut it at right angles and are more or less distant from one another according as it is desired to examine a ray that is more or less oblique then place the crystal upon the intersection e so that the line a b concurs with that which bisects the obtuse angle of the lower surface or with some line parallel to it 
then by placing the eye directly above the line AB it will appear single only, and one will see that the portion viewed through the crystal and the portions which appear outside it meet together in a straight line, but the line CD will appear double, and one can distinguish the image which is due to regular refraction by the circumstance that when one views it with both eyes it seems raised up more than the other or again by the circumstance that, when the crystal is turned around on the paper, this image remains stationary, whereas the other image shifts and moves entirely around. Afterwards, let the eye be placed at I, remaining always in the plane perpendicular through AB, so that it views the image which is formed by regular refraction on the line CD, making a straight line with the remainder of that line which is outside the crystal. And then, marking on the surface of the crystal the point H, where the intersection E appears, this point will be directly above E. Then draw back the eye towards O, keeping always in the plane perpendicular through AB, so that the image of the line CD, which is formed by ordinary refraction, may appear in a straight line with the line KL viewed without refraction. And then mark on the crystal the point N where the point of intersection E appears. 13. Then one will know the length and position of the lines NH, EM, and of HE, which is the thickness of the crystal, which lines being traced separately upon a plan, and then joining NE and NM, which cuts HE at P, the proportion of the refraction will be that of EN to NP, because these lines are to one another as the signs of the angles NPH, NEP, which are equal to those which the incident ray ON and its refraction NE make with the perpendicular to the surface. This proportion, as I have said, is sufficiently precisely as 5 to 3, and is always the same for all inclinations of the incident ray. 14. The same mode of observation has also served me for examining the extraordinary or irregular refraction of this crystal. For, the point H having been found and marked, as aforesaid, directly above the point E, I observed the appearance of the line CD, which is made by the extraordinary refraction, and having placed the eye at Q, so that this appearance made a straight line with the line KL viewed without refraction, I ascertained the triangles REH, RES, and consequently the angles RSH, RES, which the incident and the refracted ray make with the perpendicular. 15. But I found in this refraction that the ratio of FR to RS was not constant, like the ordinary refraction, but that it varied with the varying obliquity of the incident ray. 16. I found also that when QRE made a straight line, that is, when the incident ray entered the crystal without being refracted, as I ascertained by the circumstance that then the point E viewed by the extraordinary refraction appeared in the line CD as seen without refraction, 
I found, I say, then that the angle QRG was 73 degrees 20 minutes, as has been already remarked, and so it is not the ray parallel to the edge of the crystal which crosses it in a straight line without being refracted, as Mr. Bartolinus believed, since that inclination is only 70 degrees 57 minutes, as was stated above. And this is to be noted, in order that no one may search in vain for the cause of the singular property of this ray in its parallelism to the edges mentioned. 17. Finally, continuing my observations to discover the nature of this refraction, I learned that it obeyed the following remarkable rule. Let the parallelogram GCFH, made by the principal section of the crystal as previously determined, be traced separately. I found then that always, when the inclinations of two rays which come from opposite sides, as VK, SK here, are equal, their refractions KX and KT meet the bottom line HF in such wise that points X and T are equally distant from the point M where the refraction of the perpendicular ray IK falls, and this occurs also for refractions in other sections of this crystal. But before speaking of those which have also other particular properties, we will investigate the causes of the phenomena which I have already reported. It was after having explained the refraction of ordinary transparent bodies by means of the spherical emanations of light, as above, that I resumed my examination of the nature of this crystal, wherein I had previously been unable to discover anything. 18. As there were two different refractions, I conceived that there were also two different emanations of waves of light, and that one could occur in the ethereal matter extending through the body of the crystal. Which matter, being present in much larger quantity than is that of the particles which compose it, was alone capable of causing transparency, according to what has been explained heretofore. I attributed to this emanation of waves the regular refraction which is observed in this stone, by supposing these waves to be ordinarily of spherical form, and having a slower progression within the crystal than they have outside it, whence proceeds refraction as I have demonstrated. 19. As to the other emanation which should produce the irregular refraction, I wished to try what elliptical waves, or rather spheroidal waves, would do, and these, I supposed, would spread indifferently both in the ethereal matter diffused throughout the crystal, and in the particles of which it is composed, according to the last mode in which I have explained transparency. It seemed to me that the disposition or regular arrangement of these particles could contribute to form spheroidal waves, nothing more being required for this than that the successive movement of light should spread a little more quickly in one direction than in the other. And I scarcely doubted that there were in this crystal such an arrangement of equal and similar particles, because of its figure and of its angles with their determinate and invariable measure. Touching which particles, and their form and disposition, I shall, at the end of this treatise, propound my conjectures and some experiments which confirm them. 20. 
the double emission of waves of light which i had imagined became more probable to me after i had observed a certain phenomenon in the ordinary rock crystal which occurs in hexagonal form and which because of this regularity seems also to be composed of particles of definite figure and ranged in order this was that this crystal as well as that from iceland has a double refraction though less evident for having had cut from it some well-polished prisms of different sections i remarked in all in viewing through them the flame of a candle or the lead of window-panes that everything appeared double though with images not very distant from one another whence i understood the reason why this substance though so transparent is useless for telescopes when they have ever so little length twenty one now this double refraction according to my theory therein before established seemed to demand a double emission of waves of light both of them spherical for both the refractions are regular and those of one series a little slower only than the others for thus the phenomenon is quite naturally explained by postulating substances which serve as vehicle for those waves as i have done in the case of iceland crystal i had then less trouble after that in admitting two emissions of waves in one and the same body and since it might have been objected that in composing these two kinds of crystal of equal particles of a certain figure regularly piled the interstices which these particles leave and which contain the ethereal matter would scarcely suffice to transmit the waves of light which i have localized there i removed this difficulty by regarding these particles as being of a very rare texture or rather as composed of other much smaller particles between which the ethereal matter passes quite freely this moreover necessarily follows from that which has been already demonstrated touching the small quantity of matter of which the bodies are built up end of section seven